At Roswell Park Cancer Institute, our mission is our passion to understand, prevent, and cure cancer. We proudly present another episode in our podcast series, Cancer Talk. Here's Bill Klaproth. Volunteers in clinical trials help doctors find new ways to improve treatments, develop cures, and increase quality of life for patients. So is volunteering in a clinical trial right for you? And what to expect when you're participating in a clinical trial? Here with us is Dr. Igor Puzinov, Director of the Early Phase Clinical Trials Program and Chief of Melanoma at Roswell Park Cancer Institute. Dr. Puzinov, thank you for your time today. So what types of clinical trials trials are there so thank you very much for having me you know it's it's a real pleasure actually to to talk to you and uh, hopefully to to patients uh, you know there are uh, different types of clinical trials and uh, we will be talking about all of them today uh, when when you first develop new potential uh, drug for patients it's been developed in the lab you know preclinically meaning it's usually developed, you know, either uh, by putting the drug directly on the cancer cells in a Petri dish or you are actually injecting cancer cells into mice and then you give them the drug. Uh, Then you are using uh, other animal models and at some point you are satisfied that you have a drug which is uh, potentially useful, that, um, you know, there was activity in these uh, laboratory models and uh, that, uh, you know, the toxicity profile of the drug was acceptable to actually take it forward to uh, patients. And uh, you will now be entering uh, a first uh, type of trial, which is uh, called usually phase one or phase zero even. You know, there are some specialized phase zero trials. But uh, the phase one trial, you know, or phase zero trial slash phase one, it's really a trial to look uh, at how the drug behaves in the patient. You hope, of course, that it will have effect on a patient's cancer, but you cannot make that promise. You haven't uh, treated any patients, you know, when you start, and uh, then only limited number, you know, when you are going forward with uh, 10, 20 patients trying to change dosing, you know, change schedules, you know, looking at how the drug gets into patient's body, how it leaves, and uh, even more importantly, how it may affect uh, tumors, and uh, the specific targets, you know, which you uh, specify for the drug. So it's very experimental. On the other hand, uh, historically, uh, only about 5% of patients uh, responded on a phase one clinical trial, but of course, 5% is better than zero. And recently, with new drugs and new combinations, that number actually may be as high as 25 or even 30% in some cases. So although I would never promise a cure or a uh, treatment effect from the phase one trial, actually in, uh, in real life, there is a substantial number of patients with the new drugs which are having benefits, you know, from the basically from the gate, you know, from the, from the very early uh, trials. So that's your phase one, and the outcome basically means that, you know, you develop the, the dosing, you develop the, the levels, you know, you develop the, the schedules, you know, how to do things, you develop some biomarkers, you know, some scans, you know, how to evaluate the, the drug effects, and you are ready to move to the phase two trials and then phase three trials, you know, which, of course, are now more mature, you know more about the drug, you know, hopefully the type of patient which may benefit from it. And uh, and now you are giving it to more patients, you know, again, looking at uh, toxicity, any unusual side effects, you know, anything 
you may have missed, you know, in these early trials. And you are, you know, moving to multiple tumor types, you know, and developing biomarkers. And at some point, you know, you have enough data to either go directly to the FDA and ask for what we call accelerated approval, meaning like, look, it's very, very good, and uh, we should get approval to actually give it to everybody in the U.S. Uh, and, of course, they sometimes do, and uh, they still want confirmatory bigger trials. Or if that is not a good way to go forward, it's not possible, then you simply have to move to a phase three trial, which now usually is randomized. You know, the previous ones are not usually randomized. They are just like one, you know, one size, uh, you know, one the drug is given to everybody. Uh, the phase three is randomized, and uh, patients will now be randomized to either golden standard of care, you know, which is what you would give them anyway, or the new drug or a new combination, including the new drug, hoping that uh, actually the new combination or the drug will be better than your gold standard. And uh, and that, of course, takes a much longer time. And uh, and uh, But at the end, if it's positive, usually forms a basis for a permanent, you know, uh, approval of the drug after which the drug is available to anybody uh, in the clinic. So that's how the drugs are developed. You know, there are some new paradigms coming, but in general, this is how every drug, you know, patients are now given. given uh, every drug had to go through phase one, phase two, and phase three testing and had to pass all these and at the end was found to be beneficial and useful. Well, thanks for explaining the different phases to us in these clinical trials. Truly are where the saying goes, the rubber meets the road. It really is important, and it's where you really start the evaluation process of a certain drug. So do people stay on through stage one through three generally, or do you have a new group of people at each stage? So we usually have a, a new group of people at each stage as the inclusion-exclusion criteria, i.e. what type of patients should enter the trial may change. For example, stage, you know, phase one trial, you know, these will typically, but not always be patients who already had several lines of treatment. They are, you know, a little bit running out of options. And uh, so going with a little bit riskier uh, treatment um, opportunity may be actually uh, more beneficial or uh, more applicable and, uh, and, and more appropriate. Um, you know, usually when you get to the stage three, you know, phase three testing, a lot of times you are looking for patients who have never been treated with any drug and uh, and you are now testing the drug, you know, in those patients. And uh, uh, so it may change. But uh, I can tell you with more, <laughs> with more um, active drugs, we actually see a lot of patients who were on a phase one clinical trial, let's say with checkpoint inhibitors, who actually still are getting these drugs or still are, you know, benefiting with... Uh, cancer being in submission, you know, 10, 15 years later now with drugs such as Yervoy or Obdivo. So, uh, you mm -hmm. know, that that from that standpoint, you see the same patient, you know, the same patient who was actually helped by the drug on a clinical trial. Right. And what are the risks versus benefits in participating in a clinical trial? You know, the risks and benefits will always be a little different. Uh, depending on the mechanism of action of the drug, you know, the mode of uh, how it's given. Uh, but the, the clearly, you know, every clinical research, you know, has to be well planned. It has to be scientifically valid. So that's why we actually take every 
protocol through our scientific review committee to make sure that what is proposed is scientifically valid. You know, number two, after the science has been evaluated, it's taken to the uh, institutional review board, you know, the ethics commission, basically looking uh, whether it's planned properly, you know, that patients will be treated equally, that uh, there will be a good patient protection from any harm, that actually the uh, risks will be well laid out so patients may make really informed decision whether they want or may not want to participate. And uh, and so these are important, you know, checks and balances on any research. And also, as I always stress to any patients, uh, patients may go on a clinical trial, doesn't have to. And even when you actually decide to go on clinical trial, sign a consent form, go through the screen and, you know, make sure that all the inclusion, you know, criteria are fulfilled, you know, that you don't possess any of these exclusion criteria and you start your treatment, you know, even for any reason, patient can decide to stop anytime, you know, patient is in a driving seat and, uh, you know, we are working with the patient, not, not on the patient, you know, it's mm-hmm. a it's a partnership and, uh, and there is a, a lot of mutual trust, you know, has to be you know, given and taken, you know, it's very important not to uh, take that trust lightly. Right. And Dr. Puzinov, who can qualify and where should people look to find available trials? So, um, you know, the the best way for to look for clinical trials uh, may be to look locally at your NCI-designated cancer center, such as, you know, we in Buffalo at Roswell Park Cancer Institute are one of the 43 NCI-designated comprehensive cancer centers because those centers usually uh, have a very robust uh, pipeline of new drugs in development in various stages, one, two, three. Um, alternatively, one can look actually at web pages for particular disease. You know, a lot of patient advocacy groups, you know, like lung cancer patients, ovarian cancer patients, Renal cancer patients will actually have, you know, online bulletins, you know, where they have information about trials for their particular disease. You know, I treat patients with melanoma, Melanoma Research Foundation. Then actually one of the most comprehensive ways is to go on clinicaltrials.gov, you know, webpage, which is registration of all different clinical trials, and simply type in type of cancer I have, you know, melanoma, for example, or brain cancer. And then I will say phase one or phase two or phase three, or I may even ask, you know, specific, you know, type of drug and the search engine will actually give me all the trials available and also places where these trials are being conducted. So there are multiple actually ways, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, local oncologist actually, you know, uh, would be able to help guide the patient and uh, try to help them navigate, you know, the information. But uh, I think the really the trusted resource should always be the NCI-designated Cancer Institute, you know, closer to patient home, because a lot of the patients may not be able to travel long distances on a regular basis. Well, it's really good information, and thank you so much for sharing that with us, Dr. Puzinov. And thanks for your time today and talking about clinical trials. For more information, visit roswellpark.org. That's roswellpark.org. You're listening to Cancer Talk with Roswell Park Cancer Institute. I'm Bill Klaproth. Thanks for listening.